You're listening to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. All the news from Spain and the UK. Things you might have missed. Well, a very good day. Welcome to everybody, all our listeners around the world. Welcome to the podcast for the 15th of September, 2022. Okay, the weather, well, it's now hot. It has been... Uh, a bit fresher in the morning by the time we got to about uh, two o'clock it had really built up again so then it has been pretty hot ever since it's probably up to about 30 or 31 i would imagine at the moment let's get fictionally across the mountain range and down to alfast lp and find out whether it's the same where terry is good afternoon to you terry and what's your weather like Good afternoon, Vince. It's been, you know, it's been today's been the perfect day for me, and as much that it's, it was the first day we've had of, of September weather, where it was relatively, uh, I can't say it was cool, it was still quite warm, but it was fresh. The air was fresh, there was no humidity. Like I say, it's, uh, it's warmed up a bit this afternoon, it's reading 32 degrees where I am, but there's no humidity, little or no humidity. Uh, I'd normally be sweating everything by now. I don't need the echo on. It's uh, it's really comfortable, which is what I expect from normal September weather, which should have had we should have had about two weeks ago. Yes. Okay. Well, we've got very very strange times. Uh, whilst I say that, it is also interesting. So let's see a few of the angles that maybe aren't being presented everywhere. Well, I certainly didn't want to uh, tempt fate, and during our podcast last week, I said that uh, the Queen is looking very frail, the end could be near, or words to those sort of effects, and sure enough, as soon as we'd finished the podcast, uh, the news came through that the Queen had died, and uh, of course, uh, the, uh, the appearance of Great Britain to the world I think there should be many people, uh, certainly people like us, expats, who look back and see the professionalism of everybody involved in presenting a tragedy uh, which they knew was going to happen. Um, when I say tragedy, yes, maybe I shouldn't, because at the age of 96, you have had a good innings. Um, but uh, subsequently, you saw the forces and the way that they looked after the Queen's body as they uh, obviously took her to various places in Scotland. And then uh, you saw her being transported back to London and the sheer professionalism and wonderful pageantry uh, she herself would have been utterly, utterly proud of. Um, that, of course, can then be totally and utterly wiped away in the few seconds it takes a few Celtic fans who mocked the Queen's death with the banner that read F the Crown and chance of if you hate the royal family, clap your hands. This was last night. Uh, those were the Celtic fans. While Rangers defied UEFA's ban on British teams playing the national anthem, Scottish football, of course, always has been divided by sectarianism. And many fans who follow Rangers identify themselves clearly as Protestant and Unionist, while many who support Catholic identify themselves as Catholic and Irish Republicans. Celtic fans unveiled this offensive banner just before their Champions League crash with Ukrainian side Shakhtar Donetsk last night, and BT Sport forced to apologise after honing in on it uh, at the game played in Warsaw. All UK teams playing home or away were allowed to hold a one-minute silence as a mark of respect for the Queen, who died last week, but following a pre-match meeting between Celtic, Shakhtar and UEFA, it was decided there would be no silence before the kick-off, and players from both teams did wear black armbands in Her Majesty's memory. However, 
the sentiment clearly wasn't shared. And so that was the, the bad side, the nastier side of something that up till the time that the football fans decided to show their true colours, um, you know, a lot of people had enjoyed a spectacle and wondered just how, um, just how professional can people be presenting a sad event in such a clearly defined way. Uh, Terry, very, very sad. Um, I have to say the first thought that crossed my mind when I read the UEFA decision, I knew where it was possibly coming from, but I didn't think it was appropriate. If they'd have just played the anthem and let people uh, hear God Save the Queen, I think that might have been a better way to go. But anyway, what do you think? Oh, I agree. I agree entirely. Um, but we, we, we were going through something we've never experienced before. It's, a, it's what's going to be 10 days of mourning, uh, unofficially, um, ending up with a bank holiday for um, a funeral, which sounds a bit strange. Um, but I must agree, yeah. I mean, you have to remember that the Queen spent years orchestrating her own funeral, something that very few of us managed to do. Uh, it always comes as a shock to our nearest and dearest. Oh, he's dead. What do we do? So, uh, yeah, she's well, because she wouldn't do because she's she has orchestrated her own funeral for many, many years. And like you say, the professionalism was incredible. And I thought, what a clever queen she was to spend those few days uh, having her body resting a few days in Scotland. Yes before travelling down to uh, to England. It didn't stop in Wales or go to Ireland. Or, uh, I think that she knew that in death she could still do something to try and help the, the Anglo-Scottish cause uh, of sovereignty and, uh, and not the breaking up of the uh, of, of the country, which, which a few of these SNP people uh, are desperate to do, just to commit economic suicide. And, well, on, the, on the uh, on the altar of the uh, of EU, I think the thing that clearly the TV has allowed people to see is that no matter how much the Scottish nationalists have been trying to portray uh, the fact that half the country, according to them, want to leave uh, the union, um, you only have to see the love of the the ordinary people in the streets uh, to see that, quite frankly, it's not the way that the media seem to have wanted to portray it. Um, you know, I'd go so far as to say it's been completely and utterly warped, and I don't know whether or not that came across to you. Yeah, it, well, I agree. It, 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 it's taken me by surprise, the uh, the amount of the outpouring of love that has uh, been poured out um, for the life of, of, of Queen Elizabeth II. And quite rightly so. I mean, you know I'm a royalist. I always have been, I always will be. Um, but he, he, her life, I mean, to be so controlled and, and as she said in her opening speech was to dedicate her life, however long or short it may be were her words. Little did she know that 96 was not a bad innings. Um, but she did dedicate her life. She was never controversial. And with all the, the, the things that went on um, within the royal family, I mean, all her, all her children got divorced. Uh, which is quite obviously quite an upset, but uh, the death of uh, Princess Diana, um, the, the burning of the, the, the horrific uh, fire at uh, Windsor Castle, etc., etc., etc. Covid, she was marvellous in that. She just showed, if only we could all be a little bit like the Queen, uh, if only all of us could all be a little bit more thoughtful, like the Queen. Have a twinkle in your eye. Have a smile on your face. Listen to people. It's so easy, Vince, isn't it? But no. Like you rightly said, there are these factions of the Celtic, uh, court and in inverted commas, supporters who, who disgrace themselves, uh, and rightly, you know, they have done. Um, it, it's a very small thing that they did, but it's completely disgraced them uh, in the eyes of, of, of the rest of us, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and... And now you can see it now where she, she's lying in state. Funny enough, I was, I was standing on that spot two weeks ago wow. where she is in the great, uh, the great Hall of Westminster. And I, I was admiring actually on the floor, there's plaques for all the different royalty who've been laid at rest there. Or, or, or lied, uh, not lied, yeah, laid at rest. Uh, all the different royalty where, where, they, uh, where their coffin stood. 
Uh, and we were reading all the different plaques and so, oh yeah, you, you, you think, well, that the Queen will be the next one. But none of us thought, I mean, God, 96, what a wonderful age. But we all thought, you know, she's such a sprightly lady, she'll be, she'll get the 100 like, uh, like her mom did. Mm. Uh, it never happened, of course, sadly for her. But didn't she go out in style? I mean, she's obviously been very ill for quite a while to miss uh, uh, certain events that she never misses. Yeah. Uh, they said that she's got mobility problems. Yeah, I think it's a bit more than that. But to, she had to turn up on the Tuesday to receive the resignation of Boris Johnson and to appoint Lisa Truss as the new Prime Minister. She had to do that. Uh, and I just think they must have she, she must have instructed, like, pumped her full of everything they could get to get her on her feet to be able to do that. And I think the minute they were gone, she laid down and gone, that's it, I've done my bit now. I can't do any more. Uh, and, of, and, of course... Wonderful, the, wonderful lady, wonderful lady. You know, to contrast that, we've got... Uh, the Celtic thing. We we also had James McLean, and he wore a black armband before Wigan's championship clash with Huddersfield, but decided to stand away from his teammates in an apparent gesture of defiance during the commemorative minute of silence for the Queen. Uh, there was speculation as to whether the Republic of Ireland International would wear the black armband, as he has previously refused to take part in gestures honouring elements of the British Empire, such as wearing a poppy. However, he uh, stood separately from his teammates as they joined arms during the minute's silence. He stood alone. He later, sh later shared images on his Instagram account of an Irish boxer branding him a legend for his stance. And the Republic of Ireland store was born in Derry, raised on the Cregan estate where six of the people killed on Bloody Sunday in 1972 came from. Uh, he described himself as a proud Fenian. Uh, sadly, um, sport is now becoming littered with political statements and political gestures. And I don't know about you, I for one just feel that uh, I'd rather have none. If you're going to, um, you know, if you're going to start doing it in, in uh, any games, then we, we haven't got a boundary, have we? No, well, politics is always uh, supposedly not not to be part of any sporting activity. I think it's very, I mean, you say littered, Vince. There are very few instances. The, the first one I can remember was it the Black Panther, the, the Black Salute with the Black Glove. Yeah. Uh, and then taking the knee, uh, the other guy. You, you can rattle them up on one hand, really, Vince, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, they're all pathetic creatures who, who yeah, obviously, I can only assume they believe very strongly in whatever they believe in. But they're desperate to get their 15 minutes of fame. Uh, and he's quite happy to get his 15 minutes of infamy. doesn't matter to him whether it's fame or infamy. Mm. Uh, and, and we're talking about him in, in very, uh, 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 not very nice terms, shall we say. Uh, and I agree. Uh, the man's an idiot. He's just gone out there to claim a bit of, uh, a bit of uh, publicity when the whole country is, was mourning the death of, of a very important lady. Um, it's easy to go with the flow. I mean, democracy means that uh, we should always listen to both sides of the coin. We all have an opinion. But when 99.999 recurring percent percentage of the country appears to be uh, full in favour of, of, of our Queen's life, then surely you should just respect it and not try and be a bit silly. Well, I'm very could... proud that at the minute, um, so far, I've not heard of anybody doing anything stupid in marching past the... Uh, um, the Queen's uh, coffin in the Great Hall of Westminster. Well, let's I do hope nobody, nobody makes a, a silly yeah. uh, gesture. Let's hope. Uh, uh, let's put another dimension into this because maybe, maybe there is another angle, another way of looking at it. Uh, that James McLean, uh, he just stood there, didn't he? Uh, so maybe, uh, if I look at an article by Andrew Marr, which is uh, a respected journalist, he used to be on every Sunday morning with mm. all the politicians. And he says there is stern policing and there is idiotic policing. On Sunday afternoon, a historic, uh, sorry, a history tutor living in Oxton called Simon Hill was handcuffed for shouting who elected him during the proclamation of King Charles. Um, the next morning, outside Parliament, a woman holding a placard in which she had written Not My King on one side and abolished mm. the monarchy on the other was swiftly moved on by a gaggle of police. Uh, in Scotland, a 22-year-old man heckling Prince Andrew as he processed behind the Queen's coffin along the Edinburgh Royal Mile on Monday afternoon was grabbed by members of the crowd and the police and later charged with a public order offence. 
And then he went on to say, Monarchy has always been unpopular with some. Even Queen Victoria faced a rise in republicanism towards the end of her reign when she had withdrawn from public life as the widow of Windsor. Before her, the Hanoverian monarchs were confronted by some of the rudest cartoons ever drawn by human hand. Yet somehow the cavalcade went on. Is the modern British monarchy really such a flimsy, uncertain thing that it's threatened by a history tutor asking a question, a woman holding up a small handmade placard or a young man shouting on the street? What a ludicrous, offensive thought. Okay, respect... I think, respect. I think you're reading that the wrong way, Vince. I'll read that a completely different way. How, how do you uh, read it, then? Well, th these two or three people who are desperate to have their, their 15 minutes of fame... Um, if you don't remove them, you're there amongst an enormous crowd of people with the complete opposite uh, idea, idea uh, of what should be done and how to uh, how to deport yourself. And there's every chance that that person would be severely injured. That the crowd, you know, imagine somebody, God forbid, coming to your mother's funeral uh, and making a political statement to, to to upset the whole apple cart of your of your your family funeral. Um, I, I think you know. I'd, I don't think you'd be ushering him out. I think he might get right-handed somewhere. So I think it was a case of really again, removing them before they uh, get trampled on. Because I think the the the, the mood of the the of the 99.9% .9 recurring crowd around them would have certainly um, taken uh, justice into their own hands. I would do. But don't forget, if I'm playing devil's advocate and suggestion that, of course, uh, you know, we look at the, the Queen, sorry, the King's new clothes, and you look at the fact that, you know, the crowd all want to shout one thing, but, you know, the common sense thing is maybe overlooked. How would you think, what is the best way for people to protest if they, if they do feel strong enough? Well, you don't go to somebody's funeral. <laughs> you don't go to somebody's funeral. To, to to make your your claim, do you? You make your claim every day of the week any way you want to. You can stand on a street corner and proclaim it, or everybody's going to walk past you and completely ignore you. So what better thing to do, Vince, than to get yourself on a, on, at a position where there's a hundred thousand television cameras pointed and get your fifteen minutes of fame? Well, it's about three seconds, as it turns out. But I mean, all these people, I don't know their names. I don't want to know their names. That are just desperate for a bit of fame. You don't pick somebody's funeral to go and 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 do this. Well, we or, wouldn't. Or the fact that a guy's proclaimed as king uh, to to make a, a, a ridiculous you know, suggestion that you didn't vote for him. No, obviously not. You didn't vote for him. It's a, you know, you, you get your facts straight before you go anywhere. These people aren't voted for. Okay, uh, right. Even if they have any power, bits. So they might have. They might have to the king has to sign every every single act that's voted on in Parliament, but they sign them. I don't refuse to sign them. It's, they have no power whatsoever. OK, let's see what else we go to then. OK, don't forget, we're reading things that are in the newspapers, seen on the TV, etc., etc., and trying to highlight things that are worth consideration and uh, considered comment. King Charles should pay inheritance tax on his late mother's estate, campaigners said yesterday. Under rules signed in 1993, the Queen agreed to pay income and capital gains tax, but sovereign-to-sovereign -sovereign bequests are exempt from inheritance tax. Her late Majesty's personal wealth, which included property, private investments and racehorses, was estimated to be around £370 million. This would mean the King would be liable for an inheritance tax bill, usually charged at 40% above a £325,000 threshold of £148 million. Yesterday, some members of the public agreed with tax campaigners that there was a joke that ordinary middle-class families are forced to pay inheritance tax on their wealth while the King is exempt. The royal family's wealth has been estimated to be around £24 billion, although this includes properties such as Buckingham Palace, which only belongs to the monarch in an official capacity. 
the Queen's death has sparked fresh debate about the tax advantage um, granted to the sovereign's private wealth supporters from the 1993 deal argue it is important the monarch has sufficient private resources. It's, uh, I mean, it's always going to be contentious, um, but it would be a marvellous gesture if they could somehow show that there was a huge amount of money that now goes to the general coffers and is used to help a country that is in a bad way at the moment. Um, having said that, of course, we do accept that this country's far worse off than the United Kingdom. Um, right, I'm pretty sure you'll have an opinion, Terry. So what do you say to that I, one? I have to agree, Vince, for once. <laughs> I have to agree. Taxation is for everybody. And nobody should dodge it because of who their, their mother was. Uh, I quite agree. Uh, and uh, hopefully something will happen. It should be paid. We all have to pay it. Uh, uh, you know, so I'm just about to pay my third quarter tax, and we pay tax every. Well, I pay tax every every three months here, so I'm just about to pay that. But I'm not going to get exempt because of who my mother was. So uh, oh, I fully agree. Yeah, but get the tax paid on it. The trouble yeah. is, uh, how do you assess the the value of her estate? Um, and then what do you do when? I mean, God forbid, but uh, Prince Charles himself, Prince Charles, sorry, mate. King Charles III himself is 73 years of age. Is he not 74? 70, so 73, yeah. How long will it be before William's got to pay the same amount of money again on the same estate? Because that's what would happen, wouldn't it? Well, most of us, um, would, most of us would be mentally probably in agreement that, yes, if we have to pay it, and it's often unfair and, un, and quite a burden... Uh, then really those with far more money uh, should do it. And certainly the Queen saw that because that's why probably she agreed to pay income tax. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, it has to be paid. I, I, fully, I fully agree. But I do also agree that, her, that the royal family's case is a little bit different. And therefore, I may have to rejuggle the figures on how it's levied. But a death duty must be paid. I fully agree. It taxes for everybody. So well... There's only, there's only two things certainly in life. Yeah. That's death and taxation. Well, just carrying on a little bit from that, um, and again, these aren't connected, but they are connected by the time you put the article I'm going to read from now. Prince Philip's will is sealed from the public for the next 90 years for two reasons. One, nobody outside his heirs needs to know what he left and to whom. If you were an heir or he left something to you, his solicitors would notify you. Otherwise, it's none of your business. And two, that's the way he wanted it. It's within the parameters of the law and therefore his will will remain private. Um, Prince Philip was a private man and simply didn't want the rabid press to weigh how much he left his children, grandchildren, charities, etc. And concoct some cockeyed Looney Tune story about how he gave more money to Anne than anyone else because he trusted her to pay off his bookie or whatever. Bluntly, all wills are private legal documents intended to be seen by the heirs, the lawyers and the judge. They are not tabloid fodder. Um, well, they are tabloid fodder because we see them time and time again in the newspapers. Um, but I must admit, well, I, I, I don't think I think all wills are private, are they not? I think if a will gets put into the newspaper, it's only because somebody's published it. Uh, it's, it only means that one of the relatives has, has, has sent it to a newspaper. Uh, other than that, there's no there's no public pro proclamation of what I leave to whom. Uh, it's, it's it's kept between the notary knows and the taxman knows. But once the taxman knows, that means another million people know, I suppose. So it's going to come out one way or another. Uh, it is a bit. Yeah, I mean, you could understand where he's coming from. But the bottom line is, all ever all ever anybody wants to know in reality, has the tax been paid on it? Yeah. Because the rest of it doesn't concern us. How where the money was was sent and who it was given to is is, is nothing to do with us. So, uh... Well, what sprang into my mind is, you're absolutely right, but when 
King Charles or Prince Charles as he was not that long ago, we're talking weeks ago, um, it was suddenly found out that he'd had uh, quite a few million pounds that didn't go through the books came, coming from the Saudis. Now, really, you know, those are the sorts oh, no, of... No, 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 it did go through the books. It's just the way he accepted it. It was all registered. It was ridiculous to think that uh, they could have a photo shoot with, a, with uh, an Arabian prince, for argument's sake, and, you know, over a plastic bag of cash, which happened on three separate occasions, apparently. But every bit of it was registered. It can't happen, I agree. That is completely naivety uh, on behalf of those around him to allow that to happen, never mind himself. Uh, that is complete naivety. Um, the, the charitable donations that were given. But um, it was all it was all noted. There was no... It's not a... a backhanded cash deal everything was 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 noted and therefore would be taxed it wasn't presented quite that way terry you know i was watching a couple of the programs and they didn't really describe it quite as clearly as i would have liked to have heard them describe it the way well, you declare if it's registered in the accounts uh, four million from sheikh uh, abdul whatever fine it doesn't say it got there by a bank transfer it doesn't say it came in a tesco no, it, just cash. it just says that four million was received hey if, if you turned that, up with cash down at the at the notary same as me you know they would be asking yeah. us questions wouldn't they Vince, uh, as a businessman i cannot take more than 500 euros cash off anybody i don't care what i'm buying off you or what i'm selling to you no more than 500 euros in cash can can be transacted which is Everything's what, what be done through a, a bank. Yeah, which is what really the newspapers were saying. It, it was that the money had come in cash. And uh, anyway, look, Lee said soon as mended, especially at the moment. So I'll go to yeah. I'll go to this one next. Okay, now a man has been arrested in Saudi Arabia after claiming that he had travelled to the holy city of Mecca to pay tribute to the late Queen Elizabeth II. The man from Yemen had posted a video of himself on social media inside the courtyard of Mecca's Grand Mosque the holiest site in Islam, dedicating his pilgrimage to the late monarch. Footage shows the man holding up a banner which read in both English and Arabic, Umrah for the soul of Queen Elizabeth II. May Allah grant her peace in heaven and accept her among the righteous. The clip was quickly shared online and gained attention, sparking outrage among devout Muslims. The man was later arrested by Saudi police for violating the regulations and instructions of the holy site. Um, what an opportunity they've kicked into touch for me. What do you think? Well, I think the man's an idiot. <laughs> an absolute idiot. How can you possibly go to the holiest site of the Muslim world and basically hold a banner up saying, I feel sorry that the queen of the infidel sect of Protestants has died? Um, I think, you know, <laughs> he's asking for trouble. Is that the phrase I'm thinking of? I think he's lucky just to get arrested. He's lucky to have both both hands still on the end of his arms and the head on his shoulders. That may well come to pass, who knows? We but hear of we hear <laughs> of people looking for peace throughout the world. We hear of um, how wonderfully um, kind uh, other religions can be. Surely it could have been used in another way. What they could have taken the man to task but said, we understand quite clearly that, you know, um, he felt that an, another head of a religion had died and maybe we should understand that there are other religions. But, of course, they don't do that. But they don't accept any other religions, do they? Well, isn't it time that maybe the... Well, it's not for us to Maybe say. it is. If you want to wait a couple more thousand years, it might well come to pass, Vince. Yeah. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen in your and my lifetime. No, I didn't. Uh, but he, he, of all people... Being uh, presumably a Muslim himself, <laughs> should should have actually understood. When you, when you mention Yemen as well, there's a little bit of a tinge of something there, isn't there, between mm. Yemen and Saudi? Yeah. Um, uh, when, you, <laughs> when you mention he's, he's from the Yemen and, and he's holding up a, 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 a or having a photo taken with a placard or something, uh, praising the, the or being sorrowful regarding the death of of, the, of not not just the, she's not just the queen, she's the head. Of the church. Well, now that might be the head of, of the infidels. That might come into play later. To, to, to combat, when I say combat, but to 
the, the, the Muslim faith won't be happy until everybody's a Muslim. Yeah, okay. And you can't walk around, you know, if you've got a cross around your neck, I don't think that's going to be a good idea. And especially in the centre of the Holy of Holies, uh, I think the man's an idiot, to be honest with you. Okay, um, here comes the next one. Well, there is um, other news around, and Johnny Morrissey, a former Rochdale doorman with an Irish passport, was detained after a raid on his bolt hole while he was topless, wearing top tropical shorts, and footage from the Guardia Seville shows this. Officers were also filmed putting wads of confiscated cash through counting machines and searching cars at a separate address, which were allegedly used to move money and drugs in hidden compartments detectives say they have smashed the most important international uh, criminal organization operating in spain with his arrest which is said to have laundered three hundred thousand pounds per day what about that one chicken food absolute chicken food the the the, the, the I, th- I, th- I think it's uncalculable the amounts uh, that, that's 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 made in 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 the in the trafficking and selling of drugs in, in this country and any country, it really is incalculable. It is it's such. I, I see it on a daily basis now, which I never used to see before. I see it affecting people's lives. I see people getting destroyed, who I would consider um, quite sensible people. But um, the taking of this wonderful, you just take this, try that, and be going to make life a bit better. And, uh, better than having a hangover from booze. The number, of, it is frightening. Uh, I just hope that uh, my family can, can recognise that and not get him, you know, be tempted to go down that road. You know, if you think a pint of beer is giving you a kick, then this will give you a bigger kick. Try this. No, but, but it it's seems wrong. it's frightening and it controls people's minds. That is why there there is so much in drugs. It controls people's. Uh, uh, well, it's just like smoking fags. Once you once you hooked on fags, you they've got you, and that's why the, uh, the tobacco companies insist on keeping their cigarettes with chemicals that's going to keep you hooked on it. Uh, but it, it is it, it's a frightening situation in in the world of drugs at the moment. I was happy and to. It's going to be for quite some time. I was happy to and see. I just think he's a, I just think he's he's a small fish in a very big sea. Well, this is what picked up then uh, my attention which was from London and uh, this person says I find it extremely disgusting and dictatorial that the police publish pictures of people being arrested clearly in Spain there is no presumption of innocence only that you are automatically guilty you see the the police can't really do anything one way or the other they will always have somebody that's there to criticize them um you no, know but these people that criticize police things will be the first ones desperate to have their help on something they won't be criticizing them then they're just out to make a name for themselves they're after their they are their 15 minutes of fame everyone's after it i mean you've got of all the uh uh with the cortege of the of the queen's funeral going by the number of idiots jumping out and trying to get a selfie in front of the of the TV cameras, absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, the, the brain capacity of these people is unbelievable. And it's frightening to think that, God forbid, the people are doing this and get to some sort of position of power or, uh, you know, or get a good job somewhere because the mentality they have is, is awful. But we're looking at a very, very small number of people. Well, this is where we're going next, actually, Terry, because I've, I picked up a story which is about a Carnegie Mellon professor who wished the Queen an excruciatingly painful death. This is what she put on Twitter. And she continues to lash out while calling the dead monarch a representative of the cult of white womanhood. She's 46 and added that half of her family was slaughtered with the guns and bombs that this queen sent to kill us. Uh, This is in an interview with The Cut 
Anya, an applied linguistics professor at the Pittsburgh University, is the daughter of a mother from Trinidad and a father from Nigeria. She told NBC... I'm just about to ask you, is she black by any chance? Yeah, well, you know, it had to be, didn't it, really, sadly. She told NBC News that she is a child of colonisation and that her perspective was shaped by Britain's role in the Nigerian Civil War. My she got her fame, mate. She got her a bit of fame. They're all doing it. Everybody be thinking of inventing ways of coming out and saying something outrageous so that the TV and the press can pick it up. doesn't matter if they do time for it or get castigated for it. They'll have their little bit of fame, you know, and that's it. And it's just a, they get a kick off. It. It's a drug. Well, she it's knew what she drug, was. She knew what she was and saying. Everyone's got a camera nowadays, so everyone gets photographed. Yeah, but we're talking about a professor. We're not talking about some idiot ch- teenager. Stupid things. Well, you're right, actually, because when I was uh, when I went back to college, you know, I told you um, I mm. was um, mid forties when I went back, and quite honestly, I was astonished at the way some of these people uh, might have the degrees and the, the pieces of paper, but when it comes down to the way they conduct themselves, I'll just continue the last little bit of what she said. There's this notion yeah. that she was this little old lady grandmother type with her little hats and her purses and little dogs and everything, as if she inhabited this place or this space in the imaginary, this public image, as someone who didn't have a hand in the bloodshed of, of her crown. Um, you, you know, so obviously she's never really understood the way that um, governments work and that really... Exactly, the Queen has no power no. whatsoever. She doesn't send anybody to, to war. Uh, none of the royal family have. And you've got to go way, way, way back probably to uh, Queen, Queen Elizabeth I is probably... You're going to have to go, I don't know, George, the Georges. But you've got to go, I know, I'm right, Queen Elizabeth the first, before Cromwell. You've got to go back before Cromwell. So you've got to go back before Charles the first, before you're going to find a, 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 a British monarch who had the power to send an army into another country, for instance, to kill and slaughter and stick the, the British flag on the top of a hillside and say, yeah, this is for us. We're here to, we're here to help you. Yeah, of course you are. Um, but that doesn't happen anymore. She's, she's sadly for a professor. She doesn't really know an awful lot about history, does she? Well, really? you wonder what she does know a lot about. Because quite frankly, I expect I expect people who have degrees and have positions in places of learning to have a little bit more sensibility uh, to other parts of society and other countries. And I think. Um, she's abused her, her powers, obviously. Um, I just hope that she loses a job, quite frankly, because again, she doesn't deserve it. We're talking about her. Press are talking about her, presumably. TV's probably spoken about her. She's got her 15 minutes of fire. I know, I keep saying this today, but it's so easy to get that now. But if you're, you can jump on any band, any topic of the day that's, that's hitting the news, if you can somehow get an angle on that and get in front of a camera or or have an interview with a journalist and say something absolutely outrageous. Journalists are desperate to print news. So I've got to the point now where they don't go looking for news anymore and researching news. Journalists make up most of the news as far as I'm concerned. They invent it. They have to. Okay, let me give you something different on the newspaper. Don't let, they? let me give you something nicer. Um, this is an ab- Aboriginal leader, an Australian senator, Patrick Dodson. And he was reduced to tears as uh, he spoke about the late Queen and how for the first time in his life, he felt treated like a human being. I think for me, for the first time in our lives, we were treated properly. She treated us as human beings, he said. Mr. Dodson said he and the First Nations people can always tell a mile away when words are... blanked out but it's bullshit as they've seen it most of their lives in Australia but the Queen was genuinely interested to hear from them and hear about their stories so you know uh, whilst you've got uh, this person of um, amazing academic prowess in the United States of America you've got a humble Aboriginal leader who says something that Mm. makes a little bit of sense and um, let me pick up a couple of other things that are from Spain because obviously we normally try and include something yeah. from Spain and I've got something which um, I didn't know th- this, you might know it uh, so let me see whether or not um, let's see whether this comes as a surprise Hello 
Now, this was about a man whose leg was held at a Spanish hospital after undergoing an amputation. And apparently he will be forced to pay a fine if he fails to pick it up. Uh, <laughs> Bidasoa Hospital authorities in Hondaribia, uh, up in the Basque Country in the north of Spain, urged the patient, whom they identified only by his ID card number, to collect the limb within 10 days. Terrible pun, the paper should have seen this one, and foot the bill for its disposal. Authorities said the patient is required to organise the removal and proper management through a funeral company of human remains that are deposited in the hospital. The declaration, which was published in the official bulletin of the Basque Country and was dated August the 29th, said the amputee would have to accept cremation charges estimated at €1,300 in addition to a fine thought to be roughly £350 or €400. Now, just in case this ever has come into anybody's sphere of influence, I'd never heard of anything like that, and it's something I wouldn't have thought as an on-cost to somebody with a terrible problem. Um, Did you know about this, Terry? No, I didn't, and I'm very worried now. I'm trying to think of the bits of my body that I no longer have. (laughs) Where are they? Am I about to get a bill? This, this This is... That's got to be a joke, Vince. Well, I'll tell you what has happened recent, in recent years. Um, in Spain, in the health system, quite often now, they will give you, not a bill, they'll give you a rundown of what your medical treatment has cost. I've seen these. operation has cost, yep. what, et cetera, et cetera. So I can imagine somebody taking that and going, well, OK, uh, we want the money. Or maybe, maybe he had an operation and he wasn't insured or he wasn't. It's hard to. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it. Of course, it seems very strange. Well, I've never heard of it. Been so I would. I would call it a lie. But it, anything can happen in this world, as we all know. But uh, I find that very strange, and I'm just counting the few bits and pieces that are no longer on my body. So, hmm. okay, I'm wondering if I'm looking for a bill. <laughs> hey, listen. Um... I, th- I would hope that wasn't a joke, because if it was a, a joke, it certainly would be in poor taste. But uh, let's give you the next <laughs> one. Here we go. It's your calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Items in the news that you might have missed. Europe Calling. Okay, so Liz Truss, of course, met the Queen. Uh, She became the Prime Minister. And she was um, talking at various times about the border checks on goods moving from Great Britain to Northern Ireland. And this one caught my eye, and I wonder whether or not you've seen it. Could be reduced to a couple of lorries a day. This was according to the EU's Marosh Sefcovic, a name I didn't know. He is the European Mm. Commission Vice President who leads the bloc's negotiations over arrangements for Northern Ireland, claimed that a trade border would be invisible under his plans. He's eyeing a breakthrough in the deadlock between Westminster and Brussels over the Northern Ireland Protocol before the end of next month. Talks between the EU and Britain over the Protocol row ground to a halt earlier this year after discussions about how to fix problems with the Brexit agreement achieve little. The new new Prime Minister, of course, Liz Truss, has vowed to push through new laws at Westminster, tearing up parts of the existing protocol, which has caused a furious Brussels to launch legal action. But Mr Sefcovic said he was encouraged by Mrs Ms uh, Truss's statement last Wednesday, the day after she succeeded Boris Johnson, uh, that her preference was still for a negotiated solution. Incidentally... um, She's married, isn't she? Yeah. Um, I say, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so why so are they... On her arm, so. Why does she suddenly become mistrust? Don't, don't get me on pronouns there, Vince, now. You're starting a pronoun war. We're not having this. Well, for me... <laughs> for me... You can call herself what the hell she wants things. That's the trouble. I suppose it's a bit more dynamic, you know. Why should mm. I be the little wife? I am... I am Ms. I think that says I think that speaks more than I'd like to know, to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. About the woman. Um, right. What about this? Well, I'll give it. A, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a go. Okay. Well, the thing is, um, this is 
an irritation, isn't it? I mean, let's be, let's be honest about it. Uh, they can solve these sorts of things, um, but they've got to have the wherewithal to actually see through the nonsense and Prince, get... The bottom line is this. The Brexit agreement would never, ever have got through unless Boris agreed to the Northern Ireland, in inverted commas, solution, close inverted commas. Would never, ever have got through. He knew full well that once he got it through, then it would take that to one side and start taking it apart again. And he did it the right, completely the right way, as far as I'm concerned. How the hell, how the hell can the Europe believe that they can cut off a, a piece of a country and call it Europe, which they've done? It's just completely, it, it goes against everything. Uh, it, it's wrong. So I think Boris did exactly the right thing. He knew he was never going to get agreement unless he agreed to the Northern Ireland Protocol. And having got done that, rubber stamp the Brexit, then he's gone, right, now let's take the Northern Ireland Protocol apart. And that's what he's doing. Well, that's what he did. And I'm hoping Liz Truss carries on this stupid farcical idea that you could possibly have some, somebody annex. It's like somebody annexing Catalonia. Catalonia would love to be annexed from the rest of Spain, don't get me wrong. But uh, the, the EU, curiously enough, is against Catalonia being annexed from Spain. If Catalonia were to annex themselves from Spain, they would not be recognised by the EU. Read the same ditto, Scotland. That's the official uh, 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 ruling from, from Europe. Is the, you, you, uh, Any part of of a, of a country annex it itself, they, they will never be recognised. It's their way of keeping it together. So now, wouldn't the wouldn't the immediate solution be? Right? Wouldn't it be an, an immediate solution for Northern Ireland to try and annex uh, themselves to the EU and be told you can't do that? So therefore, you know, we should start then acting a bit more sensibly, shouldn't we? No, no. The, the problem being is no part of a country. Could, could annex itself away under the EU's eyes, right? And the word I'm missing out here, no part of an EU country can annex itself away and still be recognised with the EU. But being as uh, Great Britain, which is an island, the United Kingdom is now uh, annexed, is now itself uh, not part of the EU, then any annexation of a small part of, of the United Kingdom is acceptable in the EU's eyes. Exactly. That's the problem. That's the problem. Uh, and, and ditto Scotland. They'd be quite happy for Scotland to annex themselves away because they would recognise Scotland in a heartbeat under the misapprehension they've got oil that nobody wants. But never mind. It, 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 but listen, the whole idea for me, I was a complete supporter of Brexit and I always will be. The whole idea of it is that the, the management of the EU is completely and totally corrupt. Completely and totally corrupt. So we need it. We need it to get out of it, uh, and then start your own things. And take a little while to get sorted. Nothing about another night. Anybody have any dis? The remainers. Look what's happened now. Look, yeah, yeah. Well, we're here. Look what's happened now. What happened to the pound? They said the pound would collapse. It didn't. It went the other way. So the, the remainers got that one wrong. You've got to give the country a little bit of time. Then you get something like COVID. Within three months of <laughs> Brexit happening, COVID happens. A pandemic across the world destroys industry. Now we've got raging inflation everywhere, not just in Britain. Germany's got massive inflation. The, the America's got ma massive inflation everywhere. It's everywhere. It's not just Britain. People are saying, oh, we wouldn't have happened with Brexit. Yes, it would. It's just the same. We're all in deep doo-doo and we're going to have to get out of it. Um, how we get out of it is sadly in the hands of banks. That famous that word, the most hated word by anybody. The banks and the banks here, here in, Spain. in Spain that are no longer banks, you're not even allowed in them. And the banks that do exist are all uh, reporting losses. Um, okay, well, look, I've got a couple of things I still need to try and get through with you, so okay. uh, let's go to this one. Okay, so we sort of touched on this, I think, the other week, and Enoch Burke, an evangelical Christian, was returned to Dublin's Mountjoy prison, where he's been held for more than a week for breaching a court order not to teach at Wilson's Hospital School in County Westmeath. 
His school told him to stay away after he was suspended on full pay in August for refusing to address a transitioning student as they rather than he, citing his devout Christian beliefs, which he maintained are against transgenderism. But Mr Burke ignored the order and continued to attend school, leading to his arrest. At Dublin's High Court today, that'll be last week, Mr Burke, who was representing himself, maintained that he would not purge his contempt of court for violating the order, insisting that he was being persecuted for his faith. He will now face a hearing at the High Court at a later date, which yet to be confirmed. He will remain in custody until then, unless he changes uh, or agrees to abide by the order to stay away from the school. Um, okay, we, we've briefly touched on this business. Surely, if any school teacher wants to um, address somebody, uh, one student, as they rather than he, I think the school should be taking that teacher to a tribunal to see whether his qualifications in the language are good enough for him to be a teacher. Because um, how can one person be they in the first place? Ah, Sorry, that sounded like I was going for the first person, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah but it's, this is... This is <laughs> don't get me started on the political brigade. Everyone should be hanging from a lamppost. Because uh, they've killed the world. They've killed civilised society. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in full agreement with this teacher. Um, no, well, what you've just mentioned about Liz Truss. Why, why is she a Ms. when she appears to be married? Yeah. Um, a good question but how how are you going to how how so how on that basis how can this teacher be correcting what he's doing uh, if the prime minister of the, of the united kingdom herself uh, chooses a pronoun uh, funny enough my daughter is married and she always puts ms she's married she always puts ms so uh, i'll have to ask her funny enough not that it bothers me but uh, I will have to ask. Well, it's when they uh, don't want to take the, f the the husband's name, isn't it? I think that's the base. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that she doesn't know. She has a, has her own name. Yeah. Uh, but their child, because he's Spanish, their child is, is has got her surname and his surname. It's a double-barreled surname. Um, but he's, but in Spain, there's there isn't. You, 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 they never lose the name either. Uh, the woman doesn't lose her surname. He never. In fact, because I'm British and grown up with the fact that Jane Smith has now married John Brown and become Jane Brown, uh, that's quite normal. I've never really worked that one out. I never thought about it, to be honest with you. But now you think about it, when you live in a country where that never happens, you know, if Jane Smith marries John Brown, she still remains as Jane Smith. Yeah. Um, she uh, would be known um, as Signora. Uh, rather than Senorita, um, but not necessarily. You you don't always have a a, pre, a, a pronoun in front of your name in Spain. Um, so it is it's quite a good actually. I have to have a chat with the lads about that. My lads being Spanish and my work boys have a little chat about that uh, to see what their their thoughts and uh, reason is on that one. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Going back to that guy, that teacher, I feel very sorry for him. I'm amazed he's actually <laughs> he's actually in prison. Ridiculous, isn't it? It's, I mean, of all the people who we think, I think, sure, you could, you and I could put down a couple of hundred who should be in prison uh, and are not. And yet this guy, purely being reasonable, as far as I'm concerned, is guilty of being reasonable. Yeah. Uh, he, he's in prison. He's up before the beak and he'll, he'll no doubt go down. N nonsense. No doubt he'll go down. Um, I've got two things I want to discuss before we finish. First of all, uh, there was uh, a former uh, classmate at Gordon's Toon of Charles. Uh, Charles, he says, was plunged into the then famously tough culture at Gordon's Toon in the summer term of 1962, having come from his prep school, Cheam in Hampshire. He once referred to his time at Gordonstoun as a prison sentence as he found himself cold-shouldered by fellow pupils in his house, Windmill Lodge, because the housemaster had warned any antagonistic behaviour towards the heir to the throne would result in immediate expulsion. As a result, recalled 
fellow housemate he was picked upon at once maliciously cruelly and without respite so um i mean you really would have thought that um you know they would have been a little bit shall we say not subservient but they'd been aware that he was the form you know he was going to be the king one day that day's come of course um long time away from when he was at um gordonstown it's a shame really when you look back on that but did it toughen him up i don't think it did really did it no that was see that was the old idea wasn't it That was Prince charles's idea was to send philip to a school that will toughen him up i think he went to it didn't he he did yes he did yeah, I think he thought he obviously he had happy memories of school, and he thought it would be toughen him up rather than going to the, the rest of it. Um, didn't seem to work, but um, yeah, but um, maybe it's that's the sort of school that they let boys be boys, you know. Uh, and I suppose really that might be in the instruction: do not treat him as anything different. Uh, no, do not treat him as a prince. You just keep him there as a, as, a, as a like everybody else, as a young lad, live by the same rules. Yeah, it, it is a bit strange, but uh, I'm very pleased to see that William's children are following a different, uh, a different line of education. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we're going to finish with Carlos Alcaraz. Um, do you know the name, Carlos Alcaraz? No. It's another prince. He's gone from being a Spanish prince to the king of world tennis. Winning Tennis, the U.S. Gotcha. Open, yeah, 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 remember that. topping the rankings yeah. in one fell swoop. The 19-year-old from Murcia is the youngest world number one in history after beating Norway's Kasper Root, 6-4, 2-6, 7-6, in three hours and 20 minutes. Fleet of foot, thunderous of thighs, Alcaraz has run and gone all the way from number 32 at the start of the year to the pinnacle of the standings. Isn't it strange that he should do the same in the men's game as did uh, um, Raducanu? Yeah, doing the ladies' game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, when you were saying that, I I, I drew an immediate comparison, and the same thing happened there. Um, A lot of top-seeded players got lost, just fell out. So the, 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 the way to the top became a lot easier. You've still got to win them. And you do need a little bit of luck. And um, I do remember listening to because we're all we're all on the on the roller coaster of her fame at the time, Emma Raducanu. I remember listening to uh, um, it was somebody who was very close to her. I don't think it was a trainer. Uh, somebody who was very close to her, and and saying that you know obviously obviously now um, her form will collapse. You know, but she'll give her two or three years. She'll she'll come back. And that was a very strange thing when uh, when he said that to me. But he was so right. He was so right. In other yeah. words, he, he to me, in other words, he recognised that Emma Raducanu had uh, an awful lot of luck in getting through and to to the to be able to to win the competition. Obviously, winning it is is, is another thing. But just to get there, she had an awful lot of luck, which, so on, in other words, under normal circumstances, she probably wouldn't have made it so far. Um, but to, I remember him saying that. He said that she'll, she'll, she won't be winning anything now. We'll give mm. her a couple of years. She'll come back a lot stronger from this experience and become a top-flight tennis player. And it just, well, she fell at the first fence this time round, didn't she? Yeah. She hasn't done anything really since. No, uh, no, she's had um, uh, all a sorts tremendous, of tremendous yeah. uh, uh, feat of, 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 of attaining. Well, I mean, just you can't take it away from her. It was made a little bit easier for her. And I say, you do need a little bit of luck sometimes in these things. So so she had it, and good luck to her. I haven't really seen this lad being published in the newspapers in Spain and fated on the news, as you would expect. I mean, really, uh, to have the men's tennis number one, I think uh, is terrific. If only he played for Barcelona once. If only he played for the the reserves in Barcelona, he'd probably get more more prestige in the Spanish press. Yeah. they're not. They're not really into uh, uh, tennis. Is is not their sport. And yeah. you get more chance being a bullfighter. You do better to be in that. It, it's not really their sport. Yeah, they they love, they love uh, Rafa Nadal, and, and Rafa Nadal is, is their prince. Yes. Um, but I see uh, Federer's retiring there. Aye. So Rafa's similar age, and he, well, no, he's not as old as Federer, but he's 
he's not been well. He, he, he can't possibly play to the to the standards anymore. And just like old boxers should always get out on top. And it was always it was only ever Joe Calzaghe that did it, to my mind. That got out on top. He got to he got to the top and he stepped aside. Yeah. You get the likes of, of uh, Muhammad Ali, who literally got beaten to death basically um, before they they were forced to give in. Um, it's so sad when that happens. I say Joe, Joe, the worst boxer, Joe Calzaghe. He's yeah. the only one that stepped that stepped aside at the right time. The others mm. always push to more and more and more to make more money for their agents. Terry, it is such a such a sad thing to happen. I'm sorry to cut you off in your prime. We are uh, oh. just over the minute, so uh, just yeah. over the hour. So um, once again, a very very uh, fruitful podcast. Lots of good things to talk about. Uh, and next week, I think is going to be equally interesting. So have well, a good week, stay I'm healthy, either. and uh, look forward to chatting next week. Igualmente, señor. Gracias. Muchísimas gracias.